From the game gurus at Snakes and Lattes, you're listening to the Snakes Cast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Welcome back to the Snakes Cast, everyone. I'm Jonathan Moriarty. Joining me this week are Maddie McLean. Hello. And Steve Tassie. Greetings through the ether. <laughs> As the leaves change color and Halloween approaches, themes of horror in board games are never far from the game guru's minds. And this week we're going to tackle one of the greats, Howard Phillips' Lovecraft. H.P. Lovecraft is most famous for creating the Cthulhu mythos. And Cthulhu is a word that some of you in the audience may have heard, but not be quite sure what it means or what it is. Uh, Maddie, does the word Cthulhu have any meaning for you? I know him as a character in a game. Okay. And sadly, not much beyond that. Sort of a big green uh, octopusy head thing with bat wings. Yes, the, the squid face is like right. Call squid it. face. Squid thing. face. Giant squid face <laughs> thing the size of the Empire State Building. Yeah. Okay, Steve. Oh, the uninitiated. <laughs> the, the great old one, Cthulhu, is a creation of pulp writer H.P. Lovecraft. He is, or it is, really. There is no gender to a creature like Cthulhu. Uh, it is a great old one, uh, an ancient being from another universe who currently rests permanently asleep in a state similar to death in the underwater city of Rylech. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that one right. Uh, and he waits for the stars to be right and for his cults to uh, perform the right ceremonies to awaken him, uh, thus allowing him to devour the universe. Is that next Thursday? Yeah, probably. Okay. The stars will be right about sometime around then. But uh, before we delve uh, much farther into the mythology of the Cthulhu mythos, let's talk a little bit about the writer himself. He was born in Providence, Rhode Island in 1890, died in 1937. He lived in New England most of his life, and most of his stories took place in New England. He was heavily influenced mostly by Edgar Allan Poe mm -hmm. and also by Robert Chambers, who wrote a book called The Cane Yellow in 1895, mm -hmm. uh, which has some awesome science fiction stories that take place in the distant future of 1930. <laughs> uh, those are pretty cool. Um, he brought the idea of cosmic horror into prominence. Uh, we, we're all familiar with things like body horror, as they use in horror movies, and slasher horror. Uh, Steve, what's cosmic horror? Cosmic horror is the idea that there are beings beyond this realm who wish us ill. It is the idea that um, there are non-Euclidean realities that the merest contemplation of would drive you mad. The, the idea that there are books of knowledge so esoteric and bizarre that merely looking upon them will s make your brain eat itself and uh, give you over to these demonic entities. So Tuesday night for Yeah, it sounds, it sounds fun. <laughs> The, uh, the thing you have to understand about Lovecraft is he was writing at a time when science was advancing by leaps and bounds and was demolishing people's ideas about humanity, consciousness, and our place in the universe. Change is scary. It is. And uh, the idea that there, were the, there would be these entities, maybe they don't even wish us ill. Mm. Maybe it's just like we're basically ants and this is their house. And uh, it's cosmic horror is about human insignificance. It's about the idea yeah. that we're merely dust on the wind and everything that we've ever thought had any meaning or any beauty is nothing. It's very nihilist, existentialist. It's, it's scary. So this, this was uh, in prominent stories like The Call of Cthulhu, At the Mountains of Madness, The Color Out of Space, which is about a color that kills, uh, The Whisperer in Darkness, these sorts of things. 
And um, the thing is, though, that Cthulhu has come to mean something very different in, uh, in the land of tabletop games. And we're going to sort of explore a little bit of the history of that before we come to questions of where it might go from there. 1981, Chaosium publishes the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game, which upended all the conventions of role-playing <laughs> games. At that point, Dungeons & Dragons was the king of that whole genre. And usually in those kinds of role-playing games, people played warriors and wizards or maybe space warriors and space wizards. But now you're, in Call of Cthulhu, you're antiquities professors, you're librarians, gamblers in the 1920s. Gangsters. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was really different. And fighting monsters was an incredibly bad idea. In these games, uh, you fight a monster in D and D. It's good because you're going to get treasure and experience points and stuff. You try to fight something like a Shogoth or a Amigo or one of these beasts from Lovecraft, and it's not going to end well for you. It's just not because you've got like an elephant gun and you're facing something that was not even meant to exist by your idea of how reality works. So in the end, you'd either be in an asylum or on death row, or be dead or have suffered a face fate worse than death. And the reason why you do these things is so that you can keep the world safely, blissfully ignorant of the inevitable of the inevitable fate that's coming for maybe one or two more generations. In your average role-playing game, the goal is to fight the bad guys, beat them, get better, Save fight bigger bad guys. Yeah. In the Call of Cthulhu game, the goal is to uh, not go crazy as long as you possibly can and be the last person to be eaten by the tentacle monsters. So Tuesday night again. Yeah. Does this sound appealing to you, Maddie? Something like it's, a it's a really interesting concept, especially considering that so many games these days are all about, you know, go out and kill something, go out and fight something, go out and shoot something. Mm -hmm. And to have a game that is so against that on such a profound level it's a really cool idea find the way to avoid having to fight the monster yeah. and that's well, the way it? to win 90 percent of games especially video games yeah everything is fighting everything is 90 percent of all entertainment yeah. what's the what's the solution guys punching each other <laughs> or shooting each other whatever that's just punching with bullets so <laughs> Yeah, punching through. Okay, I get it. Exit wins. So uh, the game had a small but dedicated following. Then, 1987, Chaosium published a game called Arkham Horror, a board game by Richard Launius. This was to be the Call of Cthulhu board game. It won awards and was very popular for its time. Hobby gaming was still pretty niche back then compared to today. Um, and then in 2005, a company called Fantasy Flight uh, put their designer Kevin Wilson to the task of adapting the game to a much larger and more complex edition, and this new Arkham Horror became a huge hit for FFG. We have it at Snakes, despite the fact that it's massive and impossible to teach. Uh, you're a fan of Arkham Horror. I, I, I really like the series. Was, I think was that your introduction to, uh, to the whole Cthulhu Lovecraft thing? Absolutely. Uh, I, I started playing Arkham Horror and Mansions of Madness with my guild, and then shortly after that I got introduced to Elder Sign, all three of which I adore. So what's Elder, what's Elder Sign? Uh, Elder Sign is the dice-based version of uh, Arkham Horror. It is kind of like the... It's one you can play alone, but okay. essentially you're exploring a museum instead of like going around the world or going around the city of Arkham. All right. So in, in, in all these games, though, you're sort of traveling around Arkham. There's bad stuff happening. There's gates to other worlds opening, and you have to try to close them and fight monsters and so on. Uh, and the results, generally speaking, are quite different from what you would encounter in the, in the Call of Cthulhu role-playing game. Because you can actually win. Uh, <laughs> I was say, it sounds, it sounds like it's a little bit of a dichotomy. Cause... It really is. I mean, you can, you can actually kill Cthulhu with a double-barreled shotgun in Arkham Horror. This can happen. 
you try that in the Call of Cthulhu RPG, or if uh, you know if, if any character from the Lovecraft story tried that, uh, yeah, that would not. It would. It, it just no. It would not. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not. So here's my problem. A, a huge green thing with a tentacle head is not scary. The idea that humanity is totally insignificant, that all our history and our religion and our gods are nothing but dust on the cosmic wind, soon to be utterly swept away by creatures vastly more ancient and powerful than we are, not because we're, you know, they're evil in any sense that we would understand, but just because this is their house and we're in there, that's scary. So how can you do that in a board game? In a board game, your actions have to matter. In a board game, the rules have to make some kind of sense. In cosmic horror stories, nothing makes sense. And there's no hope, ultimately, except in remaining blissfully ignorant for just a little while longer and helping others to do the same. I, honestly, guys, I don't know that it's possible to get the proper spirit of Lovecraft, which, uh, as Clinton Smith put it, is about disempowerment and the unknown. I don't know that it's possible to do that in a board game. Oh, sure it is. Okay. Okay, so... Sell me, Steve. All right. Well, I know that you've played Arkham Horror. I know that you used to own it, and you no longer do. Indeed. And that puts me on the right track. See, okay. here's the thing about the Arkham Horror board game. No offense to Maddie and his opinions on it. Um, your actions are insignificant. You mean absolutely nothing in that board game. You are up for a couple of hours of doing the same thing over and over again, and you'll probably lose. If that's not a quintessential crystallization of the cosmic horror we are all insignificant and nothing matters, then I don't know what is. Uh, yeah, you can win sometimes, but most of the... And that's the illusion that keeps you going, is the fact... I, this guy I know, he won once! <laughs> it can happen! Uh, but what you do is just a grind of, I go to this city, this building, I, I get a clue. Ooh, that clue might let me close a gate, but when I do, three others are going to open. I am insignificant. I mean nothing. I'm just going to go drool in the corner now. Thank you very much. <laughs> Did you get gonna, that feeling? Playing I, I'm going to take this one for a second All right. <laughs> and say, uh, I'm going to say, that I don't think it's possible to have that feeling of cosmic horror, despite the fact that, yes, you recognize that nine times out of ten, you probably will lose and get killed and get devoured and all that good stuff. But the very fact that you're having fun with your friends Are in a you? collaborative environment... Are you, Maddie? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not. Not anymore. But uh, here's the thing. the uh, Maybe I'm just playing with, playing with the wrong people, but we rarely lost at Arkham because we figured out how to win. Yeah. We figured out all I have to do is have one person just sitting on the newspaper all the time who does nothing but get money to ferry it over to the person who's at Ye Olde Curiosity Shop who's doing nothing but buying Elder Signs and buy equipment for the one person who's doing nothing but patrolling the streets and killing monsters to keep the terror level down. And you can keep things going pretty much indefinitely that way until you have enough clues to close all the gates and seal them with Elder Signs. And that's it. Uh, the fact that it was so structured that way, the fact that it's like, oh, well, we figured out how to beat the bad guys, and then we win. Uh, made it wind up feeling more like a traditional sort of a Dungeons & Dragons style uh, uh, role-playing game rather than Call of Cthulhu. I think what would be interesting with what you just said there is it's the very fact that you have a set number of actions or a set number of things you can do in the game. Mm. I think part of what would make Cthulhu so terrifying is the idea that no matter what you do, despite the rules being one page or 30 pages, there are still rules in a game. And the whole idea of Cthulhu would be that there's nothing out there that you can do or try to do 
to even make an impact other than the fact that everything is here's how to make arkham horror truly truly an example of cosmic horror okay you give someone the box with all the components (laughs) and no rules (laughs) <laughs> the rules exist. They just don't know what they are. And it's the cyclopean mass with hundreds and hundreds of cardboard tokens. Oh my and god, dice that's perfect. And piles and piles and piles of different colored cards that seem to have some sort of meaning, but each card has two or three different meanings printed yeah. on it. Yeah. And oh yeah, that is actually pretty Oh, oh I used to actually don't forget there's like six, seven expansions. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can't, you can't leave anything you, you out. You throw all the expansions into anything. one box together, shake them. The cursed dice. Yeah. I used to actually dice. kind of do something like this with people when we used to have the lost board game on the wall <laughs> at the cafe. Uh, I would when any when you know people were into Lost and uh, they would want to play it and there weren't any rules and I would just tell them that's part of the experience. You're lost. <laughs> Go. Uh, and most people would just put the game back on the wall. As well they should. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the, 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 to me, the, the role-playing game, the idea of playing it as, improv, as improvisational theater where you're just playing Let's Pretend. You don't have dice and tokens. and so, well, you Maybe you have dice and stats and so on, but it's freeform. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, instead of moving a piece on a board, you describe what your character does or says. Uh, in a case like that, Individual characters can have their own weaknesses, their own foibles, the you know, terrible things that they've done that they're ashamed of, which can be reflected in these experiences that they have. And the poignancy of that sort of horror can really come through. But uh, I don't know. I, I challenge any game designer out there to create that sort of a feeling, that poignancy uh, in, in, a, in a tabletop board game. I would love to play it. Any final thoughts on Lovecraft? Um. Read I feel the like books. I have to read some stuff now. See some movies. <laughs> uh, one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, not just of Lovecraft, but just all-time favorite movies, is the 1980s classic uh, Reanimator, right, starring Jeffrey Coombs, Jeffrey Coombs uh, as Dr. Herbert West, a recurring character from the books. the The film really has very little to do with <laughs> true Lovecraftian stuff, but it's a fantastic film if you like really gory, schlocky horror stuff uh, and look forward to hearing the phrase, what would the notes say, Dan? Cat dead? Details later? In context. Uh, yeah. To go on a sort of a serious route for that, uh, there have actually been a couple of attempts to create quote-unquote serious Lovecraft movies, some of which were made by the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society who do glorious musicals like Shogoth on the Roof. Um, but they also decided to play it seriously one time, and they found a great solution to it, to shoot it in black and white mm. and, uh, and, the, and do it in the style of, an, of a 1920s-style silent movie. The Call of Cthulhu, that's exactly. the one you're talking it's about. It's beautiful. Yeah. And uh, there was another one. I mentioned The Color Out of Space earlier it was, uh, that was redone in, in German called Die Farbe. And uh, it was fantastic. I really enjoyed that one a lot. So those that that's if you if you're not uh, if you're not into Lovecraft's prose, which can be um, a bit sludgy, <laughs> a bit hard to get through. The man is very fond of his adjectives. He really is. Um, and uh, and you'd rather he see really, it on screen. He really is. <laughs> <laughs> that's an adverb. He <sighs> deeply, unspeakably uh, is. Yeah, but anyway, Thank you all for listening. If you've, uh, got a, if you've got a hankering to try some Lovecraft games, we do have some of them at the cafe, but the best way to experience it is to simply look up into the night sky and fear what might be out there. Till next time, I'm Jonathan Moriarty with Steve Tassie. Game on. And Maddie McLean. Goodbye. <laughs>
game on and on and on and on. Thanks for listening. You can find more from the Game Gurus by subscribing to the Snakes and Lattes YouTube channel or by visiting our blog. Just go to snakesandlattes.com and click where it says blog up near the top of the page. Until next week, I'm P.T. Douglas. Game on.